Hello. Hi, John. How are you? Hi, Merlin. Good morning. How are you? I'm doing. I'm doing well. I had some tater tots. I feel pretty good. That's a good breakfast. Yeah. I, I didn't sing that. your Merlin Man theme because I'm. I'm tired of people thinking they know me. Hmm. Thinking they know what I'm going to do. Yeah, and knowing your movements ahead of time. Yeah, I don't like it. So I'm so I'm throwing a curveball. I think no, I, no I, I think it's great, and I think it's totally I think it's totally on brand. Do you take different? You do you, you, you've talked about this a little bit. You take different routes sometimes, if you can say. Well, every time, <laughs> even if it means even if it means I have to drive up on the sidewalk for some portion of my route, I'm, I'm going to take a different way. But in this case, you know, with the with with our conversations, I started to feel like, you know, I was becoming I was becoming thematic, and I don't want to do that. Wow, I want to be my own man. Good for you. I didn't. I didn't realize you even thought about these things. Well, because I saw you this week, because I saw you in person. You sure? I'm pretty sure. Mm. <laughs> I got on an elevator and there was a guy in there. Mm -hmm. and he was wearing a leather top hat, and he said his name was Merlin Mann. Tall guy. <laughs> and I was like, I I know Merlin Mann. Pretty I, sure. I, that might have been. That might have been Castro Lincoln. He was very convincing, though. So. I'd like to see what a term would be like for Castro Lincoln. Castro Lincoln? Castro Lincoln in his leather top hat. <laughs> <laughs> He's, he lives in the Castro. <laughs> yes, of course yeah. he does. Well, I yeah. mean, that's his, that's his home. I think he used to live in Illinois. Now, now did, he was born in Kentucky and then was in Illinois. Is that right? What? A a Abe Lincoln? Yeah. Listen, I didn't come here to talk about Abe Lincoln. Wow. You... you, you, you <laughs> Have you had a bad, have you had a bad, if I could ask, have you had a bad morning? Here's, here's, here's the thing. The thing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the whole, the whole improv comedy uh, philosophy that, you know, you never say no. You always say yes and. Mm -hmm. I don't believe in that. Sometimes you just say no. I think we can all agree that yes and is a good idea. <laughs> ah! <laughs> I, I agree to disagree with that statement. Uh, uh, I, you know, I don't like talking about computers, but I did notice yesterday that... Uh, I, I looked in on my uh, internet feed and, and saw that, that someone had stipulated what we could all agree on to you directly. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah, I, was, I was tempted. I was tempted to jump into a bunker or something. A fellow podcaster, in oh, fact. Geez. But one who has never listened to my podcast, I'm almost certain. Oh, God, did you hear that? Did you hear my heart breaking? Because <laughs> he, he can't get it on his Victrola. Uh, I, uh, lately... My braces have been really bothering me, hmm. and last night they were they were really cutting up my lips. So you know when you have braces, they give you this wax mm -hmm. that you're supposed to put on the braces to keep it from to keep what is evidently barbed wire in your in your mouth from tearing your face apart. <laughs> and uh, I slept with this wax on my braces last night. And I just I just realized that it's that the wax is still in there. So if you can hear it in my voice, don't be confused. I didn't bite my tongue or anything. I just have wax on my braces. Does it make you, what's the word, like marble mouth? Does it make it harder to articulate? Uh, I, think it's the, I think it's the huge slashes in my inner lip that make it harder to talk. I, last night I was walking home about 4 o'clock in the morning. I'm walking through the neighborhood. There are these two people uh, walking side by side very slowly, both dressed in kind of leather trench, uh, not trench coats, leather car coats, you know what I mean? Like a, like a coat. Like a duster? Not a duster, no, but like a, a, like a leather, like a puffy leather jacket that just goes down to the to the bottom of your wallet. Okay, like a, okay, sure. Mm -hmm. Like a mid-length 
And it's and it's 4 a.m. And generally, like, two people walking slowly in puffy leather coats at 4 a.m. <laughs> it's a kind of thing that a lot of people would walk to the other side of the street or, or you know, or ask themselves, like, am I... What's happened in my life that I'm here with these two people? I'm saying, but, let me just interject because I'm not super familiar with the culture. Are we talking like a Capitol Hill or neighborhood toughs? Uh, well, that that was that was hard to discern from behind, but I can say I can say in the great like hipster fashion chase, <laughs> where the kids, the hipster kids, are always trying to find the last good thing at thrift stores and turn it into a new fashion meme. The puffy leather car coat has yet to. <laughs> They have yet to adopt it. You know what I mean? Like, if Uh you see a puffy leather car coat, particularly two of them, you can be pretty sure that the people don't also have handlebar mustaches. (laughs) It's a, that, that is still the, the purview. The puffy coats are still the purview of, of, uh, of actual poor people or, or bad people. Oh, so you, but you, you had had it's 4 a.m. You had to size them up a little bit. It's 4 a.m. I'm trying to size them up. And there, and there are a couple of halfway houses on this street. So I'm like, hmm, I don't, you know, and one of the halfway houses is for, is for uh, drug abusers and sex offenders, and the <laughs> other halfway house is for people who are developmentally disabled and have committed a crime. In between them, they make a whole house. <laughs> They're a hallway house. I'd like to see the, block, like to see the block parties for this. <laughs> but, you know, the, one, the halfway house that's for just, like, criminal people is, uh, is scary because there's, you know, there, there are bad, bad people there. Mm-hmm. But the halfway house for, uh, for like people who have mental and emotional problems and are also criminals, is is really the one. As you're walking kind of near it, you have to be, you have to be ready for anything. Okay. Oh, so so it isn't it isn't just like a goodwill sort of like occupational therapy thing. It's like these are people who probably did a couple bad things to end up in the halfway house. Yeah. They right. need to be washed for a while before they move to the other half. Exactly. Okay. So anyway, I'm I'm in this vicinity, and and I'm walking behind these two people in the car coat, and then one of them, the bigger of the two, when I'm about 15 feet behind them, and getting into you know you're about 15 feet, you're you're within you're within range now. If they wanted to turn around and throw something at you, so I get into I get into a little bit more of a my posture doesn't change, but I am it, my readiness is is enhanced. Mm-hmm. And then the the bigger of the two suddenly starts crab walking, like. Like sinks his butt down, splays his feet apart, and starts like, like w- w- crab walking, like sideways. Well, he still hasn't seen me. They don't know I'm behind him. But he's was he, was he of, doing a kata? He's kind of walking. He, his feet are pointing in opposite directions, <laughs> and he's walking like a Charlie Chaplin, except if Charlie Chaplin was trying to walk over a a, a yoga ball. <laughs> And so now my readiness is really enhanced because was, what's this? A little hairs on the back back of your neck for reasons you can't explain are starting to dart up yeah. a little bit. Yeah. Something about this uh, isn't quite right. What's this new wrinkle? <laughs> and then so as I go around them, they are uh, the, 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 uh, the, the thinner one of the two is looking at the crab walking one and like trying to figure out what's going on. And as I go around them, the, the bigger one says... <laughs> In kind of a lispy voice, he goes, "Oh, I've got such a bad rash." <laughs> <laughs> and I realized uh, they had their own problems. I, I didn't need my readiness went back to zero. I went back to DefCon One. 
Oh, that's miserable. Oh. It's pretty humid I, there, right? It's pretty humid. It's humid and cold. Bad, bad. Well, I don't think the rash is a product of his humidity. I think the, I'd get rid of the puffy leather coat first. <laughs> well, <laughs> Those I mean, retain moisture. Well, yeah, I mean, you want something that's going to breathe. Yeah, you'll rust your undercarriage. Right. That's a, that's a rookie mistake, though. There's something that tells you that you should wear something loose, right? And I think looseness is the problem. I mean, in my experience, when I've gotten rashes, it's, it's looseness is the culprit. I mean, certainly it's, it's had its, you know, uh, you know, it's, it's had its uh, agence provocateur, mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> like, you know, not taking showers enough and, and, and probably, you know, let's be honest, not being up, up, up to speed on hygiene. But yeah, in that or, case, I think tightness, like, tightness helps a rash a lot more than looseness. He pro- at that point, he's probably given up. He's probably wearing those giant ass uh, puffy boxers and he needed, he needed to take a break. Maybe he went swimming mm-hmm. earlier and forgot to bring a change of clothes and then sat in the back seat of a station wagon mm-hmm. for the long drive home. Vinyl seat. And on a vinyl seat with his swim trunks on. That's a sure, sure way to get a rash. Oh, it's right, had, in the, it's right in the book. I've had a few rashes in my day. I'll bet you've had, I bet, you know, I'm, I'm, it's your show, John, but I'm, I'm super interested in rashes. And I yeah. have to imagine a man like yourself, you have, you have walked more miles than most people have driven. And you've certainly driven more miles than most people have driven. By the way, I, I would like to circle back to this at some point. Very, very, with, your driving has taken on a degree of certainty that mm. I don't remember being there before. It's, it's really admirable. But uh, you walk with certainty. You, 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 can, uh, you can scope out a crab. Well, you but, know, when I, when I do long-distance walks, this is not something I would tell anybody, but I'll tell you. Okay. When I do long-distance walks, especially when I'm walking in Europe, for instance, I always go buy German underwear <laughs> because the Germans wear those <laughs> Makes little, it easier to get across the borders. <laughs> well, not just that, but the Germans wear those little bikini underwear because oh, right. there's something wrong with them. But those yes. are much better for walking. Than our big, our voluminous American underwear. So on on my on my on my especially long walk that I did, I traded all my American underwear uh, very early on for German uh, bikini underwear, men's bikini underwear, mm-hmm. which is great, great for great. Really, um, it's it's very supportive. Mm. The worst rash I ever had. See, I'm allergic <laughs> to a lot of laundry soaps. Oh, okay. The worst rash I had when I was a freshman in college, I bought my, f- I bought my own laundry detergent for the first time. Because wh- when you're living at home, of course, you never buy your own laundry detergent. So I'm at, I'm at college, I bought my own laundry detergent, and I bought the cheapest laundry detergent I could because uh, I was an idiot. <laughs> and since I was a freshman in college, I had, uh, I had worn every item of clothing that I owned before ever doing a load of laundry. Right, I, it was. It was <laughs> <As> you do. <laughs> it was. It was three months in to the to my freshman year, and I had worn every item of clothing as many times as you could wear them before I needed to do a huge load of laundry. I needed to. I needed to wash all my clothes, and as you know, I'm a little bit of a clothes horse, so I had, I had, epic piles of laundry, and I I took it all downstairs to the laundry room in the dorm, and I did all my clothes. 20 oh, loads no. of laundry. Oh, no. And I carted them. It was a whole, it was an entire Saturday. Carted them up. Like, this is like up, dollar up. store quality detergent. Oh, yeah, exactly. It was 99 cents for a big, huge thing of, of what, what is probably like lye. It's like the component parts are lye, um, like aluminum flakes, <laughs> uh, mercury. It's like when they put the glass in the cocaine, right? 
Yeah, right, right. It's like uh, it, was it makes cut it with seem horse, it makes horse it tranquilizer. Seem, it makes it seem more effective. Fiberglass. Uh huh. So I, I hang up all my clothes, and I have this tremendous feeling of accomplishment. I am a full-grown person. I have done my laundry, and I have all fresh laundry. I can go another three months without doing laundry. <laughs> and I put on my first change of clothes, on uh, my new clothes, on Monday morning, and I go to class, and I'm sitting in class, and I start to itch. <sighs> and by the time the class is over and I've made it back to my room, from my wrists to my ankles, I am... Red and swollen and puffed out like a like a like a puffy leather jacket, except red as a monkey's ass. Oh God, no! And I'm lying in my I'm in torment. You know, I'm lying in my bed, naked, like groaning. Nothing can be done about this rash. You know, it just has to. I just have to lay there naked. And every I'll, single article of clothing you own is going to cause the same problem. Everything. Uh, uh, my roommate is appalled. He was appalled by me to begin with, and now, now I'm lying there, <laughs> na- swollen and naked. He's just like so grossed, grossed out. So I think to myself, I spent forty dollars on the on laundry, on doing laundry. I don't want to go spend another forty dollars to rewash all these clothes. So in the middle of the night, I take all my clothes down to the communal showers, <laughs> and I, I hang them up on the you know they're it's like a it's like a twenty. 20-person shower, I hang the clothes up all around the shower, and I turn all the showers on, and I'm washing all my clothes in the shower. Oh, God. I'm not washing them. I'm rinsing them. And uh, so the next day, I get called down to the, to the priest who, who administers our dorm, and he sits me, sits me down in his chair, and he gives me electron hygiene. <laughs> And says, you realize that you can't just take your clothes in the shower. Someone, someone reported that you were washing your clothes in the shower. And you know that that doesn't get them clean. Was, <laughs> you was, got, wait a minute. It was too difficult to explain. Somebody to narked to the Jesuit? Like somebody, so, somebody, somebody, was he Jesuit or was he? Yeah, uh, was, they were Demi- Jesuits. Somebody, sure somebody some, narked <laughs> on you? Yeah, some kid came down the hall with a towel over his shoulder at 1 a.m. thinking like, I'll take a late night shower. And, they, and so they, they got they picked up the red phone and said, uh, you know, Friar Syphilis, I, I'm really yeah. worried. I'm worried about John Roderick. Yeah, well, they they opened the shower door and I was in there like uh, <laughs> Mickey Mouse in his wizard hat uh, <laughs> with all my swollen all my, and red, right? Because swollen at this point, and red with all my dancing mushroom clothes, you know, I'm animating all my clothes. Like, I just want to I want to uh, stipulate though, you were not in there in a pair of five hundred ones. You were naked, red, and swollen with all of your clothes. All of my clothes. <laughs> Man, I would have knocked first. Well, yeah, for, especially since, you know, normally if somebody's in that shower late at night, you don't know what they're doing. I bet that guy still knocks to this day after that. That's scarring. Yeah. You got you to finger some beats to get that shit out of your mind. <laughs> yeah. And this continues to this day. Now, when I was a kid, I was very sensitive. I think this was pretty common when I was a kid. Um, I, you know, I'm not, I don't, I have, you know, like head cold kind of allergies. Now I don't think I have skin allergies. I don't have penicillin. I had a friend who Dutch chocolate, uh, milk, milk chocolate would would, would make her sick. Penicillin allergic to milk chocolate. Oh, chocolate milk, chocolate milk. You know, like in a little little Borden's, little Borden's. Oh. Can you imagine that? Isn't that the worst? That's terrible. I have a I have a dear friend uh, whose whose son can't have like he got sick getting the test. Like he had to go to the emergency room while they were giving him the test 
That's how little like milk you can have. <laughs> I feel so grateful that I don't want that. For me, it was Mr. Bubble. And it only took it only took one time for us to go, oh my God, this bullshit is killing our child. I was I was I don't know if I was as bad as you, but basically every part of me that was inside the Cincinnati bathtub was 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 pink as a as a uh, Mr. Bubble. Box. Oh my god, you're blowing my mind right now because someone gave me a bottle of Mr. Bubble recently. Well, they claim it's hypoallergenic now. But I I I used some Mr. Bubble. I put it into the I put it into my bubble bath rotation <laughs> because I have several different kinds of bubble bath. And so it's I was like Mr. Bubble. I was like Mr. Bubble, why uh why not? Why not add it to the to the it's bubble got, bath? It's got rotation. bubble right in the name. Yeah, that's right. And it's and in it, a pink bottle. Honorific bubble bath uh, rotation. And uh and so I so I put it into the rotation, but I have to say the bubble bath I took with Mr. Bubble was a shorter one, but I did start to feel that tell tell telltale itchiness. Like a tingle. A little bit of a tingle, a little bit of pre-itch, and I got out of there. I got out of there fast. But now, 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 when it, when it, Mr. Bubble comes up in the bubble bath rotation, I'm not. I'm not ready to take it out of rotation. But I, sk- I keep skipping it. I keep skipping, it and I go right to the tea tree oil bubble oh, bath. Oh, I, I like some tea tree oil. Tea tree oil, you know, is a uh, what do they call it? It's good for everything. You know what it's I mean? A, yeah, it's an uh, Adap- uh, adapt adaptogen. Uh, I was going to say uh, apibizabum. Do people take it? I think people might take it for drug tests too. Now, what about bath bomb? You're, you're, doesn't that, there's a whole bunch of stuff you can you, take. You take tea tree oil shampoo for a drug test? I don't know if you get the shampoo. You can get a tincture. Oh, I see. I it has see. a very distinctive smell. Very distinctive smell. It does, and it's tingly. I used to put it on cold sores. You know, it's good for cold sores. I didn't know that. It's good. It's good. I, it's, it tingles in the wrong way to put on your testicles. Oh, I wouldn't put it anywhere near my dingus, personally. Yeah. Yeah, but, yeah. but um, well, I mean, I always try it with any kind of bath product. I always try it out on my, on my genitals. Oh, you do like a little sample patch, like when oh, you're trying out like a carpet cleaner. You're kind of you're in there with mm-hmm. it. And yes, it's nice to know what's going to happen. Now, do you dilute that before you put it on? Do you do, you do like a uh, what do they call it? A titration? Like, how, how, do you don't you know put just pure tea tree oil on your dingus? Uh, I'm not a diluter. You know, uh, there hmm. are a lot of things that say dilute with water, and I'm, I always take it straight. Fuck you, Doctor Bronner. Yeah, and the, and, the, and the problem, of course, with that is that there are a lot of concentrates now. Uh, all the products are concentrated. Yeah, and and I uh, I use them uh, undiluted at first, uh, or I, you know I use the, the the what I would the amount that I normally would have used in the unconcentrated form. Mm-hmm. And I actually I actually had to call the the uh, washing machine service guy at one point. I was like, my washing machine's broken, and he came out and spent all day with his with his tools splayed all over, taking it apart and putting it back together. And he was like, there's nothing wrong with this washing machine. And I said, well, it keeps shutting off. It keeps, it doesn't, it, it, it won't do a full load. Mm-hmm. And he said, how much laundry detergent are you putting in? And I showed him <laughs> and he said, that's enough for 10 loads of laundry. Oh man. And what's happening is you're creating so much foam that it's shutting the system down. Uh, okay. So ever since I learned how much laundry detergent to use, now everything works fine. I can't get I can't get my daughter to understand that that like she likes getting lots of soap on her hands because soap is fun. But you know, as a as a man, as you know, as somebody who has learned to shave without soap, water is the most important part. It's a water, water, water. You, mm-hmm. it's, it's all about the water, water, and the concentrated thing. I think that's something that's happened, especially gosh, especially in the last ten years, but really in the last twenty five, thirty years. Because I think what they do is what's concentration mean? Concentration means you take out water, you take mm-hmm. out liquid. Mm-hmm. And you can put it in a smaller bottle, right? You see where I'm going with this? It makes it less costly. 
Yeah, the shipping costs. Shipping costs, and and I mentioned this in passing just because uh, I have my my detergent uh, problem. Uh, I was at. Well, like so, okay. So, like, you're in a Jesuit shower with all of your clothes, and you're puffy. Like, mm-hmm. isn't there some part of you that goes, "Okay, I hope, I hope it doesn't get a hundred times worse than this." Like, this is this 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 is bad. This sucks, right? Yeah. I mean, like for me, I was at this nadir of uh, you know the kind of nadir you can have when you're in your early twenties. But I was at a pretty low point. I didn't have a lot of money. I've been doing a lot of drugs, mm. um, and I, I, I had a, a relationship that I really liked, and. I think I was out of, out of blank cassettes. Like there are a lot of things that were mitigating against me. Mm-hmm. And uh, to top it all off, my, my, my mom, uh, when I went to school that year, had been kind enough to uh, gift me with a bottle of concentrated era, which is, which is now, no, not like your stuff. It's very high end. Right. Era is good, good, good gear. That's right. Like I think it keeps the colors and it gets the whites white. I, I don't really recall, but I had this big red bottle of era. And let's be honest, like you, Oh, I don't want to say like you, but for me, like stench was a big leading indicator for laundry, but really mm. rigidity when your clothes become <laughs> rigid. And and there's so many things that could become rigid about laundry. Let's be honest. That could be a towel. That, mm-hmm. that could be a, a German pant. Uh, and for me, it was certainly the pits of my shirts where they would start to crack a little bit. When oh, I, that's well, disgusting. Yeah. You put on your dump, t- dump truck shirt and it cracks a little bit. Well, you see, I'm a person that doesn't, that has no uh, body odor. So my clothes I can wear many, many times. I'm not even writing that on a card. There's so many, there's so many problems with that. I don't know. If, the odor's coming from something. I don't know if it's your body. I don't know if you've, you've got some kind of an Indian poultice that you're wearing. But. You know, if you smell, if you smell a, a smell on me, mm-hmm. it's usually what's in my pockets. It's not, I don't smell. It's just that I collect things as I go down the road. and Really? You know, they're in my pockets. Okay, I'm going to skip my era story. I want to hear about your pockets. You know, you know what the all t- you need to know about this is that I had not done hardly any laundry the whole year. It's the end of the year, my life is falling apart, and I've run out of dish liquid, and so I start washing my dishes with a large amount of, of concentrated laundry oh, detergent. That's brilliant. So now I'm drinking water and eating <laughs> macaroni and cheese out of dishes that were washed with concentrated laundry detergent. And I lost my fucking mind, and I wasn't sure why. It did oh, wait, not help you, that I was you, taking a lot of MDMA, but on top getting, of it. You were getting high off of the laundry soap? I was getting, I was getting something orthogonal to high. I wasn't even getting the opposite of high. I wasn't even getting, you know, I was getting concentrated was the problem. Uh-huh. 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 And my mom finally had to say she came and she drank a Coke out of a, out of a cup, and she said, I don't think something's quite right here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she might, I don't really oh. remember. My memory is really sketchy. I think she might have said, this tastes like air laundry detergent. Uh-huh. Moms are so good with that stuff. They really can, they can tell from they're, the distance. Moms can be an important check valve in your 20s. Yeah, they're so, like, wait a minute. So pockets, this, tell me about your pockets. This isn't working. You know what the best laundry soap is? What's that? Cheer free. Cheer free. It's cheer. <gasps> right. But it's free. Not, not, not that it's inexpensive. No, I understand. But that it has no... Uh, it has no fragrance, no dyes, no, no dyes, no, uh, it's just pure whatever soap is made of. It's pure Tyler Durden fat accumulation. Mm. Um, and it's great. I use cheer free and I never have a bad reaction. And that's, that's been the cause of your concentration bubble problem is just too much cheer, too much cheer, but Mm -hmm. I, but I, but, but it it never gave me a rash. Now, as for my pockets, Mm -hmm. Uh, I have, I, uh, there's a part of me that is still five years old and, uh, that and mostly, one, mostly your laundry. <laughs> <laughs> one of those, one of the ways that manifests is that, uh, that I fill up my pockets as I walk around the world, uh, with stuff that I find. And then at the end of the day, I, I, I 
disgorge my pockets onto the onto the counter and I sift through all the little things all the little beach glass and um snails and stuff that I've picked up <laughs> along the way. And uh sometimes sometimes like particularly if I put sand dollars in there or uh like if I if I like I was on the beach the other day and there was a uh a, there was a dead baby sea otter. Oh, God. And I was it was everything I could do to not take the dead baby sea otter with me. Because you, you felt bad for it? Well, no. It was just like, how often do you get one of those? <laughs> I, I knew. It wasn't, it wasn't a question of Viking funeral. It was not a question of this will work in my otter collection. It was just something where you said, it'd be a shame. Like Again, like the suits that you encounter. Mm-hmm. And you, it would be a shame if somebody who didn't appreciate it did something with that otter. You're a man who could appreciate a dead otter. Yeah. Well, and the thing is, the sea is coming in. There are turkey vultures circling around. There are a lot of things on this beach, turkey vultures first among them, uh, and a lot of, and very many things in the sea that are going to, uh, that are going to want to find, they're going to be very glad that they got this baby sea otter because it represents dinner to them or something. But to me, uh, I mean, there, there are so many things I could do with a baby sea otter, a dead baby sea otter. But I realized that to take it with me, was was going was a very I was a very four year old thing to do, because I was not this baby sea otter was not going to travel well, mm-hmm. but it was it was hard for me to leave it on the beach. Hmm. Now, when you go through your your beach glass and your uh, crustaceans, mm-hmm. um, are you is it a for, is there any curation to it? Are you just kind of like rubbing your fingers on them and do you sort them, or do they just go into like a larger pile like? It sounds like it sounds like you're doing a kind of um, like we would say in productivity. It's a collection process. You're not really thinking about like exactly where it'll go or what it's for. But you, something in your brain or on the back of your neck says this is a sea otter, a baby dead baby sea otter. I could use mm-hmm. right or not right. Mm-hmm. And then yeah, you, oh, it, no. that, so at, at what point is it? At the point of emptying your pockets at the end of the day, when does the curation come into it? Well, the curation is ongoing, right? At, at first, you sort, you, you empty your pockets, and you got a sand dollar, you have uh, some beach glass. Uh, dead baby sea otter, half a sandwich that that you made yourself. I don't pick up somebody else's half sandwich, but you know uh, you, you've got a pocket knife. You've got you, so you 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 sort it. Then the first sorting is how many of these things that were in my pocket belong together, and then generally you know generally you don't pick up groups of things. You have one, you have one wish rock. You have one. Um, you know, like distortion pedal that you found on the side of the street, you know, they don't belong together. So you put them in, you put them with the, with their like items in your home that you already have a collection of distortion boxes. You already have a collection of, of, uh, of wish rocks. Uh, but then is a wish go, rock like a rubbing stone. A wish rock is a rock that has, um, that through some kind of uh, geological process has a ring around it okay if there and it's a ring it's a ring of other kind of rock Mm -hmm. that goes through the center of the rock and if you find one of those you make a wish and throw it into the ocean sedimentary that's uh well it could be that there was a crack formed in some igneous rock Mm -hmm. and then some different kind of rock came into the middle of the it in a okay like some different kind of liquid rock went into the crack you think metamorphic rock is a real thing that always sound kind of made up to me well, I leave the geology to the geologists. Okay, let's circle back. So you got your rocks with rings, you got your otters, well, you got your beach glass wish, and sandwiches. Wish rock, you're supposed to make a wish and throw it into the ocean, but I can't <laughs> bring myself to throw them back, so I bring them home. 
I have a big bowl of them, wish rocks. Uh, so then you sort them, but then the then let's say it's a rainy Saturday. It's a rainy Saturday, and for, this is the thing about the dead baby otter. I don't have other ones, so I would have to find. I would have to start a new collection, a, or I would have to find some collection that a dead baby otter belongs in. I'm still trying to think of one. But that's this is this is part of your gift, though. Is I mean, I think it's a little cynical to say I'm not going to pick up a dead baby otter just because I don't have six other ones. Well, like, how does that begin? Right at some point, you go, "This is this is like a cool guitar pick," or you right. go, "Or like this is a nice key." Or well, or you could let's say you get a dead baby otter, you could hollow it out and make a hat. You could, uh, if I think you'd have to hollow it out. No matter what you were, I would do, do that real fast. Unless well, you're going to freeze it, would you freeze it and then use like a like a like a uh, like a uh, tabletop saw or, or like a uh, router? Is that what it's called? Well, the problem with the, with freezing something like that is you got to thaw it again eventually, mm-hmm. and that's not going to be a good process. That's not going to be fun. You, you're right. You want to get to you want to get to hollowing it out right away, and that it's that's that's part of the inhibiting. I mean, I'm on the beach. Oh, so you right? might have been thinking about your schedule. You might have been thinking I need to pick up some 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 brace wax or or jacket uh, swabs, and and therefore I may not have time to do this otter the honor that it would need to be a really suitable hat for me. Even though you already right. have literally hundreds of hats. Yeah, and I'm on the beach, so I don't know. I mean, this is not a part of town where I know all the taxidermists. Mm-hmm. Not like you know, if I was in my neighborhood. You ever been to a taxidermist? No. My dad, my dad was a sportsman and one of his best friends was a taxidermist. Really? Yeah, yeah. I mean, my dad was, believe it or not, uh, he was a, a real sportsman. He, um, you know, he, he hunted. Did he hunt water buffalo? Um, he hunted like the kind of things you would hunt <clears throat> if you lived in the Midwest, you know? Varmints. Well, yeah. <laughs> whatever need, whatever needed killing. <laughs> but uh, uh, no, I, I don't think uh, you ever big killed. Big city Jews. <laughs> See, I was avoiding the ping pong. <laughs> We're near Indiana, so we have to be careful. That's clan country. Uh, the um, no, but but uh, he was a he was a terrific fisherman. Uh, he catch a lot of really amazing like big mouth big mouth bass mm-hmm. stuff like you know. I think your smaller kind of canines, you know, like a uh, like a fox type type thing, maybe something mm-hmm. like that. Anyway, he had a buddy who was a really good, you know, the taxidermist. I don't know. I think I think taxidermy is a lot like dentistry or hand jobs or whatever, haircuts. Like say you it's got a, a comb skill. over. If you've got a comb over, you keep going to that same barber because you oh, don't have you to do. say right? So you yeah. go in, you don't have to say, make it look like I got hair here. You sit down and, and you don't hopefully you don't talk to each other. You look at a sports page or a penthouse, and then you walk out of there looking more or less like you wanted to look, right? Yeah, but the comb over is more an expression of the barber than it is of the person living under the comb you over. Think I so. Totally, I really do. You think you go to five barbers, you get five different comb overs. Yeah, I mean, because because like you're saying, the comb over is an opportunity. Cause you're reading a penthouse. The comb over is the opportunity for the for the barber to create a a hair nest where there was none. Mm-hmm. And and if he if he makes some choices, if he makes you look like Mo from the Three Stooges, <laughs> uh, you you're not going to question it. You're not going to go, hey, because you already feel you already feel ridiculous going in there and having him. You know, make a hair helmet. Don't you imagine there must be people who specialize in that? I, I have to admit, I've thought about this a lot. And I, I, God bless you. Anybody's got a comb over. I, I'm not. <laughs> I don't, if you're I'm listening not, to the show and you have a comb over, I'm not criticizing. I'm not let, criticizing. But, but really, let today be be yeah. the day. And and you know what? If you got a goatee too, let's just go ahead and give that a little extra thought too. Well, now now what kind of goatee are you talking about? Because there are several kinds. 
If you still got the 90s goatee, you know exactly what goatee I mean. Oh, I do know that. I'm but not I'm, talking about Queens of the Stone Age. Like, I'm not I'm not talking about, like, Chinstrap Lincoln. Caster. I kind of, sometimes I like to rock a Colonel Sanders. You like a Van Dyke? Well, it's not a Van Dyke exactly. It's a Mark Twain. It's like you got the you got the mustache, you got okay. and then underneath, but they don't connect. Okay, here's here's the thing though. If somebody comes in, and I have no idea, I'm so curious about how this works. Like you know the stories about how Andy Warhol <clears throat> uh, had a guy, he hired a guy to come in every few weeks and act like he was trimming his wig. <laughs> so there was a guy who would come in and I and and so so think and about that for a second. Chair. Look, how, how do you make that phone call? You go, "Hi, I'm this guy who makes really famous pop art. I obviously have a wig and I would like you to come over and pretend to cut it." Or, you know, it's probably something much more subtle than that. And this is why I should go to a prostitute because I know so little about how this kind of stuff works. Mm-hmm. But I'm guessing the guy comes over, he he's got his takes his tools out cuz he's, he's probably doing it in a closet or something in Andy's house, right? He's he's a busy guy. No, I bet you Andy, I bet when Andy's getting his haircut, I bet, you, I bet you he's doing it right in the middle of the room and somebody's making a film about it and somebody's mm-hmm. doing an interpretive dance about it. Right. Like he's not going to miss that opportunity. Oh, I see. This is, this is not so different from the, the, the dead baby uh, otter. You know what I mean? It's a, it's a serendipity. Anyway, uh, somebody comes it's a, over. It's a, part of a, it's a part of a performance. And yeah. I, 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 was trying to, I was trying to think of how I could incorporate this dead baby otter into a performance. I couldn't. I don't doubt for a second that you can incorporate it. But I mean, I'm, <clears throat> I'm saying is I've thought about this a lot because mm-hmm. if it were me, and I'm, I'm fortunate to be, at least for now, a largely behaired man. So I, I'm not in a position to say anything about this. All I'm saying is like when you first go in, it seems like there's got to be a first time where you come in and you probably speak in, you know, and the thing is, again, now if you're getting hand jobs every day, you know exactly what to say and you're not embarrassed about it. You right. say, I would like this kind of a hand job <clears throat> and I have this much to spend. Well, this is the thing that's fascinating to me about people that talk about sex uninhibitedly. You're not going to let me talk about comb-overs, are you? All right, go ahead. No, go ahead. No, no, no. I'm interested to hear because I know you're you're fixated on your own hair. I am so is, not fixated on my own hair. I get a $12 hair. haircut, John. I know, but you get a $12 haircut, but how much time do you do you spend talking about your haircut before you get it? I'm sure that I'm sure that you could pay time, the barber. You want to time me? You could pay the barber $50 and still not have compensated him adequately for his time. I have very fine hair, John. Your hair is tremendous, and that is why your your haircut fixation is um, is such a such a, a a source of joy for me. We act like being a barber is a typical sort of like blue collar trade, you know. And really, there's no such thing as a typical blue collar trade. There's huge amounts of expertise. This is a person. Think about this. You're bringing in. If you're dealing with comb overs, you're dealing with psychology. You are dealing certainly with physics. You're dealing with a lot of mechanical skills. Uh-huh. And you also have to handle money. You're an artist. You are an artist because you're going to have to say to that person, and again, you're going to over time that should that not evolve, you probably can't rock the same color. If you were doing the mo for a while and that was working, right? You know, and then you know, but pretty soon, well, and dealing with natural hair, you're also a time traveler because you are mm. you are cutting hair and you are extrapolating what this haircut is going to look like in six weeks. You know what I mean? You're way ahead of you're way ahead of everybody else. The guys at the halfway houses they they probably aren't always on top of their game financially. They probably have hard times, right? Correct. Is it possible at all that you could help them out by bringing that otter in and somebody could make that into a hairpiece? Hmm. I don't think that the skill set that the people in the halfway houses have. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't think their skill sets overlap taxidermy. Taxidermy's Very hard. Often. Taxidermy is not what people think it is. Did your dad have taxidermy animals in the house? Oh, yeah. Where? Who inherited those? Uh, well, there's a very, very, very large Canada geese at my mom's house. 
Mm-hmm. Um, there, I think but she's got a, but you don't have a single like little, little angry fox in your house. A little angry fox perched on a perched on a, a log. I, I don't want to say the super obvious thing, but I find I'm incredibly impressed by taxidermy because I, I I want our listeners to understand taxidermy is not what it sounds like. They say stuffing an animal. No, you're not. You're making a sculpture of that animal. Right. It's un. People have no idea. They think when they hear stuffing an animal, you think you you know you cut it open like a carp and stick a bunch of cotton balls in. Put some no. pillows in. Yeah. If you've ever seen somebody's somebody's taxidermy dog that was done poorly. And I hope you never have to see that. But if you have to go watch television in an older relative's house and they have a small dog mounted on top of their TV, you're not going to be able to focus on the prices right. That guy's going to go over the mountain because you're staring at those little fucking googly eyes. Oh, that's terrible. And And you're also, you're slipping on the plastic-covered couch while you're trying to avoid the the gaze of their poorly taxidermied former pet. And the cats, all the cats. But the, um, now anyway, we we can move on. But all I'm saying is when I was in there though, okay, so answer your question, no, I don't because I find it incredibly creepy to have stuffed animals around. When we go to the academy. It's a a skin of an animal over a plastic armature. Everything about it is made up. They look at and photograph, the the fish one particularly interests me because it's, you know, I I, I don't know, I don't know a lot about it, but it's all I'm saying is it's something that more people should respect as incredibly fucked up and creepy as it is. It's, it's, imagine making a fucking deer look realistic. You have to build a sculpture of a deer. You choose, those aren't the deer's eyes. They have to pick eyes that look like the deer. It's, 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 uh, it's like, uh, what's his head? The hyper reality guy, Umberto Echo. It's like you're making like a simulacra deer from scratch practically. Right. Well, there are some deer parts that you do use. Which parts? Like the, you mean the little puffy tail? No, the skin of the deer. So you cut that in a certain way that is going to keep it intact, kind of like you would do with an apple or an orange. You try yeah, you peel or, the deer. Okay. And then you, make a, then you make a plastic deer. How do they get the insides out without tearing it? That's the magic. <sighs> That's the magic of taxidermy. Now, unlike hand jobs and comb-overs, you can go into a taxidermy place and say, this is a fish that I caught. Please make it look like this fish. That's a transaction that seems very straightforward. Well, you can say that in a hand job parlor, too. You want it to look like this. Well, you can say, this is a fish. Oh. I want you to make it look like this. <laughs> oh. And the, huh. and the, the handjob purveyor goes, hmm, okay, I'm playing along. I've heard some people say, hey, if you like this haircut, take a picture of it and bring it back. Do you, oh, think, yeah. do you think that you can do that with hand jobs? No, okay, well, maybe the first time, could you bring in, like maybe a show, like on your iPhone, you bring in a video of a hand job you've enjoyed? Hmm. Just, I'm asking for a friend. Or if you got a hand job, you've been shooting the hand job while it's happening. Can you bring it back later? Let's say Mickey's not there. You bring it in, and can you can you do you think you'd be able to replicate that? And maybe they say, you know what, that's not the kind I do. That's not my background. I think that every hand job is different because every day is a new day. You know, this what is I mean? why like, America is great, John. It really is. Un- unlike a taxidermied animal, who, which is which is stuck in time, right? It's never going to grow more more fur. Yeah, if anything, You're, it's going to lose fur. Yeah, you are constantly shuff, shucking off your skin cells. So, so next week, your penis is a different penis hmm. than it was the week before. You can't go in and say, I took a video of my last hand job. I want you to do it exactly like this because you don't know what... You're you different. Your penis is different. Let's be honest. The man, the man or lady's hand is different. This is fucking Heraclitus, day one. That's a really exactly. good point, John. I had, exactly. Heraclitus would be a really good name for a hand job portal, by the way. Hmm. Wow. You, <laughs> Heraclitus is... You never dip it in the same hand twice. <laughs> Heraclitus's uh, uh, parlor of uh, of mystery. I'm just trying to yeah. think of what, well, what the uh, no the, the the Parmenides uh, parlor has a certain rigidity uh-huh, to it. It does. Ooh, it does. So I uh, yeah I I would feel like what you would do to get what, you would try and approximate the hand job you got last time by saying some you know you, by by saying some of the same 
I mean, I, that we have friends, we have a mutual friend now, you and I, who could address this topic just quite directly. Is this, is this, is this the friend that you ran into that day? Uh, I, I, I run into people all the time. Uh, when you in the part, when you were in the handjob district and you ran into somebody? Oh yeah, it was, it was, this was my, this was my run into the handjob. It's your handjob friend. friend. Handjob. Well, see, it's you don't want to say somebody's your handjob friend. <laughs> yeah, you know what? It's a different thing. But I, I was shouldn't have gone Seattle's, to public schools. Oh. I was in Seattle's handjob district. You told this story. It's a terrific story. Yeah. Uh, anyway, I, uh, but I feel like I feel like in order to get the handjob you want, you say you have to say some things directly, and you have to say some things obliquely, right? Do you, you don't think just really? Go, do you really think so? You don't go in and just say, "Here's what I want. Get her done." I disagree. There has to be, there has to be a, you have to have some amount of like pretending that. Ah, uh, may, may I adopt, may I briefly very, cause I don't, I'm not in any position to, to do this with you. Uh, but may I get slightly Socratic for a minute? Yeah, well, please do. I like, would you I like agree it. that doing mm-hmm. hand jobs for a living is a kind of business? Yes. Okay. Would you seed that those people have That's probably a poor choice of words. Don't use the word. Okay, seed. let me let me start over. Would you because see... there's two spellings? Of okay, seed. would you inseminate that the people that give the hand jobs probably have more experience with giving hand jobs than you and know the business? Uh, yes. Okay, and is it fair to say that with those things in place, that that they are in a position to appreciate candor for their customers so that they can deliver the best product for the correct price? Yes, I believe that's true. Okay, so but, somebody comes to you and says, "We want." Uh, so I heard you. Um, I, uh, I don't, yeah, cre- so I don't, don't want to be creepy, but I like that uh, stuff you do. Could you? <laughs> no, you want somebody to go calm, play a fucking concert at the club. It's this much, right? Yeah, you don't. You don't want to come in and Bellingham the people with a whole bunch of like I don't know what is that. I'm, is that a verb? Well, I'm I'm turning it into a verb. Well, that's good. Can you but, give me just a rough <laughs> idea? Transitive verb to Bellingham. What does that mean? Uh, the city of Bellingham is the pla- is the uh, is the city in the. A most northwestern corner of the United States. Um, uh, you could say La Push or uh, out in uh, out in the Olympic Peninsula is <laughs> is, more, is further west, but it's not as far north. Uh, Bellingham is where the where the West Coast um, sort of passive aggressive, mealy mouthed. We can all agree on cheese uh, tendencies. As you move further north and further west. Those t- traits are concentrated mm-hmm. until you get to the city of Bellingham where no one can make a decision. <laughs> no one can ever express an, uh, an opinion. No, no, one has, no, one, no one can ever get into an argument. It is impossible to get into an argument with, uh, with someone in Bellingham because they will go, oh, I see. Yes. But, you must hate Bellingham. Oh, my God. Oh my God! Try is to this, have a is this the, I mean, in the same way that the Mississippi Delta brought us so much rich blues music, is this where "Don't Yell at Me" music has it, its basis? Do you think this is where "Don't Yell at Me" music came from? It is where "Don't Yell at Me" culture comes from. Okay, you go, you go up there, and people, you know, if you start talking uh, in an unvarnished way about uh, about your feelings or about some ideas you had, people will throw I- Icelandic sweaters at you until you're <laughs> so muffled, or or give a redacted version of the anecdote on Tumblr tomorrow. <laughs> With lots so, of ellipses. So I'm beginning to feel like just Bellinghaming things is the thing <laughs> that I'm opposed to. I want to st- I want to put a stop to Bellinghaming. Um, but but so you don't want to go into a hand job parlor uh, and 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 Bellingham the the woman. But at the same time, there is an element of fantasy necessary for uh, for you to become truly aroused. You okay, can't, just, can't unless unless you're like a very unless you really are. 
Unless you're a sicko, unless you're a, a sociopath, and you're like, I want you to whack me off right now, and right. I want to watch, I, and I want you to start a little taxi cab meter, and I want, you know, I, I, I want... I think some people like it because of that, though, the dirtiness. Well, they like the dirtiness, but there has to be... There has to be some element. I think the dirt. The people who like the dirtiness want right. there to be an element of degradation, and the people who who don't like hmm. the dirtiness want there to be like uh, some uh, the uh, some uh, pretend game where the woman actually likes this. Like right. she's, it's she's like going, it's this, like going to Hooters. She's doing it because she enjoys watching you have pleasure, mm-hmm. even though the woman at the handjob parlor doesn't care about you. Now a German, a German goes in there. I can see a German one in taxi meter. Well, a German wants the woman to take a poo on him. <laughs> that's just, that's just I periodically run across German pornography on the internet, and I'm struck. Uh, I'm struck that there is any way that the German, um, well, not race. What's the word I'm looking for? I don't know how German people have babies. Because mm. it seems to involve a lot of poop and hitting. don't know hitting. which hole to put no, it in. No, <laughs> there's very little penetration of the proper holes. Yeah. It's a lot of poop and hitting. Yeah, poop and yeah. hitting. Yeah. Poop, poop and hitting. The, now, okay. the, the many years in college that I spent learning multiculturalism has taught me to respect and admire the German poop culture, poop yes. sex culture. Mm-hmm. I don't judge. No, you can't judge. No. Um, yeah, I, I, okay. I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. I guess what I'm saying is, like, I, I guess we should not make it all about hand jobs, but let's talk about haircuts. Let's say you go in and get a haircut, and you want them to touch your balls. How do you ask? Is it something where you say that directly, or do you do you make like a like a pointing south thing, or like if you're getting if you're getting a haircut and you want them to 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 do it a little more rigidly at the top? Uh-huh. I think you pull a Sylvester Stallone at that point. Eat, eat eggs in a glass. No, the Sylvester Stallone is uh, at one point he was making a film here in Seattle. Uh, and uh, it, was he it, belly it was, hamming someone? Belly no, it, hamming. It, it was one of those Stallone movies where he's driving a car around and and they're filming chase scenes in a city. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you live in the city, you realize that from, <laughs> oh, right. from one shot to the next, he's gone 15 miles, and now he's headed in the opposite <laughs> That happens direction. in Bullet. <laughs> yeah, wow, he just bullet, made great right. time. He got to Petrero Hill really fast. <laughs> yeah, how did he do that? How does he keep being on the top of the hill? He keeps, <laughs> he keeps driving downhill, uh, and now he's on the top again. This must be when Van Ness had a trebuchet. The, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, he just flings himself all the way over. Uh, uh, so this Stallone movie is one of these terrible movies where, where he's a spy. Uh, and there are no spies in Seattle, first of all. I know that for a fact. And uh, <laughs> You would have sized him up. He's a, he's a spy, and he's driving around in a puffy leather car coat because it happened during that era. <laughs> and if one minute he's on this side of the town, and the next minute he's on that side. And uh, a lot of people I knew, a lot of people in the Seattle, because Seattle was trying to be a film town at that time, uh, uh, a lot of people were working on this film. And so I heard this story firsthand. He had, uh, he had, like, he was mic'd for sound, right, while they're filming the movie. And then, uh, then he, he's not in this scene or something like that. He's back at his trailer, but he's, but the microphone's still on him. Oh, no. And he's getting, oh, no. Is this really true? Yeah, yeah. He's getting a blowjob from uh, some, uh, some, Production assistant, a lady. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's a lady. Okay. Uh, that that part of the story was never stipulated, but I'm pretty sure it's a lady. <laughs> God, I don't want to hear this. And uh, and but everyone in the sound truck, they're all listening to him get this blowjob. And I I have never heard a recording of it, but I have heard the story from multiple people, and it's always the same. And and but the pull quote, the pull quote from Stallone is. <laughs> Cradle the balls, work the shaft. 
Cradle the balls, work the shaft. <laughs> Two and a half on the sides, blend it on top. <laughs> and and oh, at the time, at the time gosh, this, gosh, gosh, gosh. In the early nineties, when this story made it made the rounds, the idea, I think, that you could say to someone, cradle the balls, work the shaft. That was kind of a revelation because, you know, you're used to when you're in your early 20s and you're getting your first or your t- late teens, let's say. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know when people get their first blowjobs. Maybe that happens in their early teens, but not for me. Talking talk, talk uh, blowjobs here. Yeah, it was mm-hmm. something that it was something that, 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 I, I, that I really kicked into gear with a little bit later in life. But, uh, you know, you're <laughs> he, getting started, blow- he started out slow. <laughs> when you first start getting blowjobs, uh, you're you're the only thing that ever comes out of your mouth. The only thing you ever say is thank you. Oh, it's, it's just, it seems like an awful lot to ask of anyone. <laughs> Thank you. That's so amazing. Thank you. Even if it's a terrible blowjob, which as you get older, you realize there can be really terrible blowjobs. Absolutely. But God, think about it from that person's but end. You, you don't want, well, I don't know. People, they, there are enough of them happening right now as we speak that people like it. People like to do it. Yeah. You really think so? Well, yeah, you have to, you have to like to do it. It's not, a, you're not. Do you believe in altruism in general? See, this is the Bellingham problem. You think that blowjobs are a favor. But okay. they're but they're not they're not it's not necessarily a favor. Talking about a, cottaging, like you go into a place, you go into places. Like in England, they call it cottaging. You go into places, and there are apparently not just in England. I guess this probably happens in Germany too. You could walk into a place, and somebody could poop on you, hit you, just because mm-hmm. they enjoy that, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Or maybe There's somebody's a, in there. Maybe somebody's in there saying, "This is occupied. Uh, please come on in, mine here. I would be mm-hmm. happy to receive your uh, your graciousness." <laughs> yeah, there's a side to everything. The person who is walking down Broadway Gosh. on a leash in assless leather chaps. You is, can't have an ass in leather chaps. They're all assless. Right. Exactly. Except, anyway. uh, except he doesn't have any pants on underneath. That's consensual. That's consensual. They're happy to be chapped. He likes to be the one naked in chaps right. just as much as the guy who's holding the leash likes it. And so so I think that I think that is true for blowjobs too. But in any case, you you it was a revelation in the early 90s to realize that you could speak so directly to someone who was filleting you and say Cradle the balls, work the shaft. Like, those are two instructions not incompatible with one another. Mm-hmm. And he's saying, like, you got two hands, basically. Put mm-hmm. them both to work. And yeah, I'm like, so what, 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 what are you doing with the other one? Working a 10 key? Come on. Yeah, exactly. Help me out. You, got, you got this other hand, and you're, like, running it through your hair, trying to look hot. You're called, a, produ- you're called a production assisted, not a production distraction. Exactly. That's, there, you there, know, there, it's there used, true. There used to be an ad that ran in the local newspapers here uh, for, uh, for the hot tub place. You know, the place where you go where you rent a hot tub for an hour? Mm, okay, like the bath, bathhouse kind of thing. Well, yeah, except it was, it, was, it was targeted for straight people. I mean, I'm sure 99% oh, of the so people... Oh, it was, so it was cedar instead of a porcelain. Right. Okay. And the picture that they had was of a... The picture they had was a woman in a bath... In a, in a hot tub, in a bikini. And she was drinking a... Like a, a cosmopolitan with one hand, Right. And also simultaneously running her fingers seductively through her hair with the other hand. And I don't know if you've ever tried to drink a Cosmopolitan and seductively run your hands through your hair at the same time. But you can't. It is a, it's a physical impossibility. Try no, they like, use it as a field sobriety test. It's like if you even agree to take the test, they know you're drunk. <laughs> Especially if you're holding a Cosmopolitan, let's be honest. And I would, well, I would look at this ad every time I opened the newspaper and it infuriated me more. It infuriated me almost as much. As those stupid Rosetta Stone ads, uh, where the yeah. Iowa farm boy is learning Italian so that he can, so that he can get the <laughs> Italian supermodel. I got a great job in automobile repair by learning Aramaic. 
<laughs> but the but the, uh, the the Rosetta Stone ads pissed me off mostly because that the first time I saw that ad, it was mm-hmm. very effective, and then they ran the same ad for five years. Mm-hmm. I was like, get a new ad company, get a new idea. There's a second one of those, right? Mm-hmm. I'm he he was a Florida uh, auto mechanic. She was a Japanese uh, a furry. I felt that way about a Crisco commercial in the early '80s. Which, I, which I'm starting to think might have been, what's the opposite of a mass hysteria? Personal insanity. It was uh, where they would have testimonials, and they talked to a very old Southern wo- woman, and they showed her name on the bottom of the screen, and her name was Toppy Smelly. <laughs> How is it spelled? Like, like it sounds. Toppy Smelly. Smells in another Y. Toppy Smelly. How do you think she pronounced it? <laughs> I don't think she called herself Toppy Smelly. <laughs> You think she pronounced it Tope Smile? Yeah, Tope Smile. No, no, no. This was a lady, you know, exactly like the kind of lady you would see on like candid camera, like mm-hmm. a kind of a, you know, like a lady in her fifties, sixties. But like, I'm as I remember, and I, I could be remembering this wrong. I'm going to Google this and find out that I got this dead wrong. But do you remember there were just commercials that were on over and over and over again, like especially like local local commercials. But in mm-hmm. that case, you know, ancient Chinese secret, right? Like right. that's that is so pounded into my head. And it was so awful and on so many times that, you know, now it's there. It's there. It's encoded right on the hard drive, whatever that is. If means. you're looking for a better set of wheels, is that local? I will stand upon my head to beat all deals. Where's that? Is that Alaska or uh, Washington? Well, well, it turns out, uh, <laughs> <laughs> growing up in Alaska, the Ford dealer was named Cal Worthington. That sounds had, completely made up. Cal Worthington. And he had this, he had this TV commercial where he We got sang, our car from, uh, from Cheapy McMarkdown. <laughs> <laughs> no, Cal Worthington. It was he was a respectable Ford. <laughs> he there should be a whip crack every time you say his name. Cal Worthington. <laughs> well, he had a theme song where he he would get up he would get up on top of cars. He would dance and he would say, "I will stand upon my head to beat all deals. <laughs> I will stand upon my head until my ears are turning red." Go see Cal. Go see Cal. Go see <laughs> it Cal. sounds like Doctor Seuss. <laughs> and he would stand on his head in his TV commercials, <laughs> and you would think, "I got to go see Cal." And growing up in Alaska, these commercials were, they ran every 20 seconds yes, for 15 years, right? Everybody in Anchorage, Alaska can sing Cal Worthington's theme song all the way through. And there are, because he would buy 30 second spots, but he would buy one minute spots. And I think sometimes late at night, there'd be two minute spots. <laughs> oh, God. And this song has six verses. <laughs> like you know, the Waffle House song. <laughs> it just goes on and on and on. Uh, you know, and he and 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 he added verses as as compact cars came in or campers and vans. And stuff, did you did know. he continue to to stipulate that he would stand upon his head? Yeah, if you're looking for a camper van, and uh, <laughs> I will stand upon my head to get you a camper van. And uh, and so, but what, what was what was kind of confusing was that in all his commercials, he was standing on his head in uh, in an environment where there were palm trees and it was very sunny outside. And this is before this is before blue screens. Right, yeah, he's do, he's doing this out in the world. It's not. It's before, yeah, before a green screen uh, TV commercial where he would stand upon his head in a in a in a studio, and then they would they would slide in a backdrop. And in Alaska, we were so we had we we were so confused about what the outside world looked like that it never. I don't think it ever occurred to anybody <laughs> that Cal Worthington also had he, oh. he also had chains in California, right? And he was really a California car dealer who had one dealership in alaska right but we never put that together and it was just like oh sure he's got palm trees because he's uh he's cal worthington of course he has palm trees he might have been in santa monica he was probably in santa monica he probably had a uh, he probably had 25 dealerships in california and one in alaska 
But we, I mean, I when you meet an Alaskan, you sing the Cal Worthington theme song, and and it's like you're like big hugs all around, fist it's, bumps. If you're from, uh, you know. Uh, Southwest Ohio, that would be Cash Amberg, Cash Ambergy, K A S H, Cash last name Ambergy, <laughs> and uh, well, he's, sh- he was one of the Ambergy Dukes. <laughs> <laughs> Take a journey to the center of my Cash's Cash's Big Bargain Barn in South Lebanon, Ohio. Save cash with cash. Follow the cars, follow the signs to Cash's Big Bargain Barn in South Lebanon, Ohio. <laughs> <laughs> and that will just always be there forever. Yeah, it's there in your mind. Cash's big bargain barn. Fucking love the 1970s. Yeah, you could not. You 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 didn't make it all the way through calculus. I'm guessing, but you have that in your mind until the day you die. Is that right? Did you make it all the way through calculus? <sighs> I'm not trying to make you feel bad. Really? I didn't, I didn't make it all the way through calculus either. I took geometry I in 12th grade, John. <laughs> I Did think I, remember, I believe it's eighth graders that take geometry. <laughs> Maybe no wait, is it seventh graders that take geometry? I, don't know, I took geometry sometime pretty early there. Yeah, but yeah. I, but I quit. I quit taking. Uh, I quit taking math. I got a B in cursive. And cursive, huh? I don't think they teach that anymore. I was wondering about that. I was wondering if they even teach cursive anymore. I doubt they teach cursive. You know, you know, when we were kids and we would call it cursive, our parents would, you know, people of my parents or my grandparents' generation would look at us like, what the fuck does cursive mean? Right. It, it means handwriting. That's right. Longhand. Long, yeah, well, you know, yeah. And, and, and like everybody had great <laughs> Longhand, which was Eric Clapton's original rock <laughs> nickname. <laughs> Before people realized yeah. he doesn't have long hands, he has a short guitar. <laughs> It's a, oh, you're saying it's forced perspective, like the yeah, Peter Jackson a, thing? It was like, yeah, he had a guitar that was made three-quarter size. You call an Eric like, Clapton a Balrog? It's like, or call me Longhand. <laughs> they were like, wait a minute. Uh, do you think he's the one who would spray paint Clapton as God? That's a good question. That seems you know, like, that seems like a brand build. Not, you know Brian Epstein. You know the story where Brian Epstein um, would buy... Personally, buy buy. Yeah, yeah put, like the singles, the early singles, he would make sure there was a sellout because he would personally buy them. Also, Brian Epstein, very into cottaging. Hmm, yeah, and, and John Lennon. That. And John Lennon. Now, what do you he think? Did. Do you think they ever fooled around? Yeah, I bet you that he did. I, think I, bet, they did I bet Lennon fooled around with him just to, just to say he could. Yeah. And Lennon liked to fuck with people. You know what I mean? Like he liked to have that. He liked to hold that over his head. Now, who do you think? Who do you think was the hander and the handy? You think John was getting the, uh, getting, getting, getting the haircut? Pretty sure John was a top. I'm okay. pretty sure John Lennon was a top. Okay, and so do you think? Do you think he gave Brian Epstein instructions? No, I think he probably giggled at Brian Epstein. <laughs> I think he probably used he used the he used shame and fear of fear of revelation mm-hmm. to keep Brian Epstein, you know. But I but you know the thing about gay men is that they they know how to give a hand job. <laughs> You know, the penis is not a strange thing to them. They've seen one before. You know, the, the challenge of the challenge of giving hand job or blow job instructions is that you're dealing with a woman uh, oh, who, boy. who has never seen one before. I've or, heard there is, this is one reason there's a lot of appeal on a strictly sexual satisfaction basis to to doing things with somebody of the same gender. And mm-hmm. at the risk of sounding provincial, I I've never done anything with somebody of the same gender. I'm, I'm is that right? No, even in college. No, I was all fucked up on era back then. Oh, right. <laughs> Who would have me? High on era. <laughs> but they say, well, you know, you got, you already got the, you got the equipment, right? You know how to, you know how to work the tool. Sure. So you know you, and so maybe, maybe it's a more efficient thing. You don't have to give those kinds of instructions. And you know, oh, I think it's absolutely true. Now, well, and think, I think, you know, as a gay man, you also realize that a little pinky up the bum 
Helps See, the whole I didn't want to say it, but I think if you go into a place now, how do you ask for that? Do you just what, say a little up the bum? Well, you say uh, don't uh, don't get it too short in the back. Yeah, I think what you do is you do the international sign for pinky up the bum, which is you hold up a hand, <laughs> put make, it in you, your ass. <laughs> so you make a fist first. You make a fist, right? Oh well, God! You're holding up a fist, and then just raise the pinky. Are you sure that's international? Yeah, if you hold up a fist and then raise the pinky, that is pinky up the bum. What else does it mean? Well, I'll, how about nobody, this? Nobody counts one to five starting with the pinky. You know, in Europe, I think they start with their thumb. My daughter counts with her thumb. Sure. Starting, I think she first. might be European. But the uh, but the thing is with that. Okay, now there's all the different ones. You know, like when you to, to to give somebody the finger in England, you do the little. I'm doing a thing with my fingers, my two fingers. You do the peace sign. You do the backwards you do the up, peace sign. Yeah, the but, up but uh, peace sign. Yeah. I just wonder, from culture to culture, if that might differ. I could see people. I could see people in in Romania and the Balkans wanting something pretty different. People all around the world want a pinky up the bum. Is that right? Yeah, and uh, and I, and there's there's only one way to say it. Hmm. I, I, international language. Make a fist and then raise the pinky. <laughs> Ding. <laughs> and then you kind of do it. You do a sweeping motion. Kind of do a sweeping motion, like, and then it's in your bum, right? <laughs> You're holding it up. Here it is. And sweep. Then it's I think in if your... it was Family Circus, there would be a black dotted line to indicate movement. <laughs> Here it goes. It's, it goes across the yard. Oh, over the fence. I'll tell you where Billy is. He's got his pinky in my ass. That's where Billy is. And then right in the bum. Not me. But that isn't a thing. I think most. I think most young ladies are shy about putting their pinky in your bum, even though you think they should know. They do or should know that everybody likes that. Yeah, because okay. I think I think putting stuff in a lady's bum is a different. That's in a different category. Hmm. You know, hmm. that's like that's like how how long have we known each other? That's a smaller slice of the pie. Yeah. Well, yeah. can be can be a bigger slice of the pie. Well, I don't know. I don't want to really get into that. Yeah, I'm now I'm revealing too much. Ladies still, are very picky about who cuts their hair. I think they're, I they're not the afraid ladies, to go in and be very specific about how they want their haircut. I want some of the ladies who are listening to this podcast to still have an element of surprise when they meet me. Oh, so they act like they don't know about the pinky, but then boom, no fist needed. Well, <laughs> well let me start or just like when I when I when I when I hold up my fist and then I start raising the pinky, I want them to be like, "What's going to happen next?" I don't want them to know like everything. <laughs> Maybe they think they, uh, please hit me. Maybe it's a German thing. You hold up a fist in Germany, they hit you and they poop on you. Well, or you stick that pinky out and then hit them, hit them with the fist, but with the pinky and you break your own pinky and that's part of the hotness. For you, the say, you say thank you and leave a big tip. You're like, actually, I Germans you, don't tip. They don't even tip. Oh, you do. You don't. That's not the kind of tip you want to leave. <laughs> okay. 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 I'm shutting this down. <laughs>